You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Right, guys, without any further ado, I'm going to go and have a look at the word for today. Um, God bless you. If you've just tuned in, you're very, very welcome. And as I said, don't forget to give us a like or give us a share. And if you've just tuned in today, just want to give you a gentle reminder that because of the current high level and high volumes of infection that are in society at the moment, that are in the country at the moment, we are just playing it extra cautious and extra safe. Uh, Tom is going to be back here in, in 53 in the next couple of weeks. So just stay tuned, we're just going to, we're just playing particularly safe. We're only mixing with those that are in our own household for the moment, as per the instructions and so on and so forth. Will you pray with me before I begin this morning? Would you do me a favour, would you close your eyes, would you raise your hands and pray with me, even if you're at home, just raise them up before you, just like that. We'll do just fine. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that as we look at your word this morning, you would speak to us. I pray, Lord, that we would have ears to hear and hearts to accept and to understand what your voice would say to us. I pray, Lord, that as I speak, the words that I speak wouldn't just be dead words, but they would be spirit-guided words leading to the hearts and souls of your people and to my heart and soul too. I submit and commit this message into your hands. And we submit and commit ourselves into your hands. Speak to us, Lord. We are listening, we pray. Yes, in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Today's message, simply called, are you going to come me? You are called Close Contact. And I put a question mark at the end because I want you to think about being a close contact. In the midst of the current climate, I know you're probably bored and fed up of hearing about coronavirus and COVID-19 and restrictions and rules and that kind of stuff. But it got me thinking, and I believe God put something in my heart in relation to this. And I began to think about this idea of close contacts. Historically, if you look at the Old Testament, you'll see how the, the prophets very often looked at what was happening in the culture, and they began to look at that and began to apply God's view or take a spiritual viewpoint on the events that were happening. If you read through Jeremiah or Isaiah or Hosea, you read those and you see what was going on in the nations around them, and those prophets would take what was happening live and apply it spiritually. And I believe there's a profound spiritual lesson for us to take from the idea of being a close contact. The term close contact has become very, very widespread in the current culture and basically over the past 12 months we have become more and more familiar with this term of being a close contact. The idea is that if somebody near you or around you has the coronavirus, the people who are around them become their close contacts. Normally the people who live with them, the people who work with them or commute with them or people that they're around or that socialize with. And those people become close contacts because those people are more likely to become infected with the coronavirus than are people who are not close contacts of the person. It's really that simple. You become close and connected. It's very interesting. I was listening during the week to uh, Dr. Tony Holohan. He was doing one of those one of those uh, press conferences that they do, and because we have a new joke, they're like watching that. And because there's a lot at stake, even in our own family, because we have people in the education sector and, and work and so on and so forth, and the restrictions affect us. He made an interesting point. Lots of journalists were saying to him, do you think it's safe to do this? And do you think it's safe to do that? And do you think it's safe to do the other thing? And he said, hang on a minute, he said. It's not about what is safe. He said, it's not about what you do. It's about who you're with. And that's really important from a spiritual and biblical point 
of you as well. It's not really about what you're doing, it's about who you're with that will determine the way that you live. You see, here's the thing, it's my opinion, it's my theory, that to be human is to be infectious. We are infectious by nature. When you see a virus going around or whatever it is that's going on, it's just showing the infectious nature of humanity. But take it even beyond sickness, take it into life, you can see that people can be infectious. You talk about people with infectious personalities. You see people whose enthusiasm is infectious. But you also see people whose cynicism is infectious or whose criticism is infectious or people whose gloom is infectious. I'm sure, like me, you've sat at a table full of happy people and the one person who was in gloom managed to infect the whole atmosphere of everyone else at the table. To be human is to be infectious. In actual fact, it's about who we are around. You know, the book of Proverbs says this. It says, walk with the wise and you will become wise. Why? Because humans are infectious. If you're around wise people, you are going to become wise. It's not some spiritual magic. It's because of the infectious nature of being a human. It also goes on to say that a companion of fools will come to ruin. In other words, you hang around fools, you're going to be ruined. It's going to ruin your life. Why? Because their foolishness is going to infect you. It's going to infect the nature of you. You are going to be pulled down by their behavior, by their attitude, and by their approach to life. To be human is to be infectious. I want to look today at the whole idea of the people who were around Jesus, who were Jesus' close contacts. And I want to posit a simple question with you. If Jesus had the coronavirus, you know, calm down, if you're saying, no, Jesus can't get the coronavirus, calm down, no, just calm down. If Jesus had COVID-19, would you be on his close contacts list? Would you be on that list? Have you been in close contact? with Jesus recently? That's a question I want to posit you. No, that's your chance. You can tune on if you want to go home and make a cup of tea. That, whatever you have to have on yourself. But I want to put that question out there as a challenge, because it's certainly something that challenges me. Would I be on Jesus' close contact list? I want to look at a couple of people who were clearly on Jesus' close contact list. And I want to look at the effect that it had on their lives. If you'll come with me, we're going to look at two passages. I'm going to look at one in 1 John and one in 1 Peter. And I'm going to look at two people who were very close contacts. And as we read the story, we see just how close contacts they were of Jesus himself. The first close contact I want to look at is a guy called John. You're familiar with He's the Apostle John, as in the brothers James and John, as in the one who wrote 1, 2, 3 John, the Gospel John, and the Book of Revelation. What he says here, he wrote before he was exiled to the island of Patmos. May God speak to us as we read his word. These are John's words writing many years, about 30 years probably, after he had been in the personal company of Jesus. This is what he begins the letter 1 John by saying. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and we touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. John knew what he was talking about when he referred to Jesus. He was that much of a close contact that he saw him with his own eyes and he touched him with his own hands physically. He had his hands on Jesus. In actual fact, it says in one of the Gospels, in John's Gospel, that the one, the disciple who Jesus loved, laid his head on Jesus' 
expressed and said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? It's considered to be that John was the closest, most intimate friend that Jesus had here on earth. His most intimate earthly friend during his life on earth. We saw with our own eyes, we touched him. They were close enough to Jesus to be affected and to be infected. He goes on to say, this one who is life itself was revealed to us. And we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. You can see John was kind of affected by the presence of this Jesus person. The one who was life itself. They were around him and because he was life itself, he began to give life to the people around him. He was like a fountain as he moved around bringing life. And one of the people who drew close enough to experience that was John himself. He goes on and finishes off by saying, we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard. Look at the three things he says that happened. First of all, he says at the start, we've seen it with our own eyes. Then he says, we've heard it with our own ears and we've touched it. We've gotten that close to the center, to the source. Him who is life itself. If he was in court, if he had seen something from a distance, it would be one standard of evidence. If he had heard something and seen something, it would be a higher standard of evidence. If he had heard, seen, and touched something, it would be the top standard of evidence. Is what it would be if he was to stand in court and testify about what Jesus, who Jesus was, and what Jesus had done. He knew what he was doing. He was a close contact of Jesus, and it changed his life. It had a powerful effect on him, the infectious nature of Jesus. Let's look at another close contact. This time we're going to look at Peter. Again, now Peter's nearing the end of his life. Peter has walked with Jesus as it were all of his life. And he begins talking about his experience in 1 Peter chapter 1. Here's what he says. For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when, we re when he received honor and glory from God the Father. We saw his own glory. Peter was up on the mountain with James and with John, whom we just talked about. He was up on the mountain when Jesus was transfigured. The story is written in the Gospels and the voice from the majestic majesty of God said to him, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. And he goes on to say, we ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Now if I'm going to listen to anybody about what Jesus was like, I am going to listen to the people who were close contacts of Jesus. They saw his glory. They heard his words. They heard his voice. They touched him. They, he touched them, they touched him. They were connected to the source of him who is life itself. Are you connected to the source of him who is life itself? That is what we must do. Connect to the source of him who is life itself. Connecting to Jesus. We'll get a little bit more to it in a minute. Again, are you a close contact? And these close contacts were so affected, so affected by what they experienced around Jesus that they not only laid down their lives in its metaphorical sense, as in they gave up their own will, they gave up their own way, they gave up their own purpose, they gave up their own time, they gave up their own treasure, they gave up their own talent, but they also literally gave up their physical lives. Peter himself was crucified upside down for his faith in Jesus Christ. John was exiled to Patmos, and even though he died of old age, he was also, he was also tortured in his old age. 
But he, he lived out his days, but he gave his life effectively for Jesus Christ. That was the effect that he had on them. But people say to me, you know, ah, you can't be so sure about Jesus. Well, I say, well, look at the lives of the people who were around him. Look at the lives of his close contacts and see what has happened to them. See the lives that they lived. See the sacrifices they made. No telling that Jesus wasn't an important person. I want to look at some more close contacts. I want to look at the Old Testament for some of the close contacts in the Old Testament. Because when you are around Jesus, when you are around the presence of God, it has an effect on you. Now if you say, I am my to be God, it's alright, just going to have to stick with it because I'm going to get on this horse and I'm going to take it all the way. Look at some close contacts from the Old Testament. Look what happened to them. Here's a classic, the book of Enoch. His story is recorded in Genesis and in Hebrews. It says of this man Enoch that he walked with God and he was not. In other words, one day he just disappeared and he went bodily to be with God. He walked with God. He was so close to Him. He was so connected to God that he never even saw physical death. His story stands out so much it's recorded as well in Hebrews chapter 11 as one of the people who walked by faith. Look at the story of Elijah. Elijah, his recorded in 2 Kings, is also referred to in James chapter 5. He's in Hebrews 11 as well. And the story of Elijah was, sim was similar. He was walking with God and then one day he was taken to heaven in the world. One day, he's walking along with his, with his apprentice, Elisha, and a, a chariot of fire came and separated the two of them, and then Elisha was taken up in a whirlwind. That's how closely connected he was to God. And it had a powerful, powerful effect on him. Look at this one. Moses. What about Moses? Moses in Exodus chapter 34. It's also recorded again in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. The story of Moses. Moses spoke with God face to face. He spoke with him face to face and experienced the presence of God so much that his face began to shine. He literally had a glow from his face from being in God's presence. That was the effect. When you are in the presence of God, it affects you. It changes you. It transforms you. And that's what happened. These two were literally translated. This man was transformed. His face shone. What about the people who were close contacts of Jesus that we read in the New Testament? The people whose stories aren't played out very good. Look at this very, very interesting one. What I find one of the most interesting ones. Here's one of this. What about the le leper? In Luke's Gospel in chapter 4. Here's somebody, he called up to Jesus. He said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus said, yeah, of course I'm willing. And he touched a leper. You didn't touch a leper. You didn't become a close contact of a leper because lepers gave you infection. You didn't give them infection. They gave it to you. You were in a lot more danger by being close to them than they were in being close to you. Jesus does not take the infection from the leper or contraire. It flows the other way. He was the fountain. He was filled with life. We sing rivers of life. He had rivers of life flowing out of him. And when he touched that leper, that leper was made clean. Jesus wasn't infected by him. He infected the, the leper. That's what happened to him. Look at this. Here's another good example. This is another guy who Jesus draws close to him. Zacchaeus in Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was an outcast. And Jesus said to him, I need to go and eat in your house today. Being in your house makes you a close contact. And when he was around Jesus, what happened? The leper walks away cleansed, and Zacchaeus walks away completely changed. He becomes a changed man simply with the presence of Jesus coming into his life 
and him becoming a close contact personally of Jesus. He got into Jesus' space, and when he got into Jesus' space, his life was changed. It is no different today. When you get into Jesus' space, it is no different today. You are changed. What about this one? What about this one? The centurion servant in Luke's gospel, chapter 7. Luke, somebody sends a message, the centurion sends a message, says, Lord, my servant is sick, and come and heal him. And Jesus says, I'll go on. The centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you in my house, but just say the word. Just speak the word, and my servant will be healed. So Jesus, from a long distance, heals this servant. So you can say, well, I don't really have to be that close in contact to Jesus, do I? I mean, I mean, obviously, if he can heal me from a distance, it means that I can be a long, long way away from him, and he can still affect me. Aha! That is where being a close contact with Jesus, kind of, you have to understand it correctly. We're not talking about spatial contact. We're talking about relational contact. Not spatial connection, but relational connection. You see, like anybody else, you can be very close to somebody who is thousands of kilometers away, living at the other end of the world. You can have a love and a longing to be with somebody who's a long way away and they can affect you and they can touch your life and they can, they can uh, affect how you feel and how you think, though they're thousands of kilometers away. And yet you can be right next to someone and you can be a million miles away from them. Any married couple worth their salt will know what this experience is like. Any couple who've ever been together know what that feels like. Here's a couple who are spatially quite close, but relationally, they are miles and miles away. You know, imagine you decide that, you know, you want to have a romantic uh, night for your wife and you get everything ready and you, you, you prepare a fantastic meal and you light the candles and you decorate and clean everything and everything is just absolutely so. But that morning, you bore your poor wife out. I guarantee you, no matter how nice the setting is, if you're relationally apart, you will not connect. You just will not connect. Everybody knows this experience, and it's important to remember it's about spatial, not relational. What do we mean by relational? Well, relational, I'm referring to, is trust. Do you trust the Lord? I know many Christians, and it's been my own experience in my own life, years ago, when I was going through difficult times and I wasn't entirely sure what God was doing. And so, relationally, I would have become distant from God during my walk with him. There's times that I was unsure about the way events were unfolding in my life and it would make me upset and it would cause me to be distant from the Lord. The Lord was always there. Spatially, he is always there. It's called omnipresence. It means that he is everywhere. The three omnis, omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent. God's power, he knows everything, he has all power, and he is everywhere. So spatially is not the question. The question is relationally, do we trust him? How can we trust him more? Well, we can trust him more by reading his word and understanding what he says about our lives. We can trust him more by bringing our situations to him and watching him work those situations out as God is always faithful to his word and always faithful to his promises. We can trust him by knowing that all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. That's how we can trust him more. It's so important that we remember there's not a specific space in which we meet God, but there is a particular relationship 
in which we meet God and a particular state of mind and that's a state of mind of trust and sometimes we can be struggling with trust but it's okay you can tell the Lord about that you can say to him Lord I'm struggling to trust you in this situation that we have more faith it is by faith that we connect with Jesus Christ in our lives it is by faith that we can today though physically separated from him be one of his close contacts how do we become a close contact where, where what, how does it happen for us in our life i just think things practically and the things have to work for me if you will practically in my life and things have to work in a way that makes sense to me and so what i wanted to do was let me just offer you one simple challenge i was looking during the week at, at the um uh, I've been looking, everybody's been looking at about the, the, um, the conditions for a close contact. What's a close contact? I was looking up on the HFC website last week and I looked it up specifically again for this. And this is what a close contact is defined for in the current context of the current pandemic here in Ireland with COVID 19. Here's what it says A close contact is one who's spending more than 15 minutes of face to face contact within two meters of someone who's COVID 19 indoors or outdoors. That's how you become a close contact with someone. You spend more than 15 minutes face to face within two meters. Have you got 15 minutes to spend face to face with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Have you got 15 minutes to spare in your day? Maybe you have more time now because of restrictions. Maybe now is the opportunity for you to become a close contact of Jesus again. You see, I think in some ways our close contacts can break down because of issues. We can be disappointed with God. People can be disappointed with God. They may have had expectations. They may have had expectations of God bringing a great breakthrough or a great provision in their lives that just didn't happen for them. And so they can be disappointed. There can be a breakdown there. Just like that kind of the human relationship. There can be a breakdown because we're disappointed, because we're upset, because we're feeling emotionally low. There's lots of reasons why we can break that connection or we can step away. But I'm going to ask you, do you have 15 minutes to connect? Let me give you this in stats for what it's worth. It's 1% of your 24-hour day. You know, I know lots of people who are very busy. I'm a busy person myself. And I like to be busy. It's part of my nature. I like being busy. It's, I don't like lounging around. I like being busy. It's part of what I am. But you know something? No matter how busy I am, I'm sure that I have 1% of my day. If you had 100 euros and I said to you, is there any chance you'd give me one? If you didn't give me one of your 100 euros, you'd be pretty mean. All right? Just saying for the record. You'd be pretty mean. Have you got 1% of your day? Now, I'm not saying that this is the standard or anything. I just thought it was useful to see what does it feel like or what does it take to be a close contact of somebody with COVID-19? What does it take to be a close contact of Jesus? It means being in his presence. It means reading his word. It means praying. It means confessing. It means connecting deliberately and intentionally with Jesus. I have a favorite writer whose name shall remain nameless. And he talks about a thing called the good infection. And I just love what he has to say about this. He says, good things as well as bad are caught by a kind of infection. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to the thing that has them. Do you want joy, power, peace, eternal life? 
You must get close to the thing, or in our cases, we refer to it the one who has them. See, for some of you out there, you've never really connected with Jesus at all. You've never drawn that close. And for you today, it's an opportunity to connect for the first time. For others of us, you know, life gets busy, things get distracting, we get discouraged from the news or from the situation in our work, or we get distracted by the joys of life. I think as many people get distracted by leisure and joys as they do by disappointments and discouragement. And maybe we're just distracted, we need to reconnect, we need to connect again with Jesus. If you want to know what joy is, do you need joy? You have to get close to the source of joy. Do you need power? You have to get close to the source of power. Do you need peace? You have to get close to the source. Do you want eternal life? Jesus said, this is eternal life, to know you. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, it is knowing God is the beginning of that eternal life. It is that getting closer to Jesus that actually brings that eternal life. For some of you today, you have become disconnected. And I want to say this, sometimes this involves disconnecting from others around you. You know, I want to speak specifically, and I say prophetically, to some out there. I know the Lord laid on my heart this week a number of couples who are in the situation of the couple we saw earlier who in. You've become separated as a result of distrust or, or, or a bad attitude or, or, or words that were said that were unkind or wrong. I believe the Lord will say to you today, it is time for you to set that aside and become re united. It's time to connect again. And that could be somebody in your household and it could be a friend or whatever. I'm 100% sure. I know this though for a, a number of couples that this is an issue. That though you are physically together, you are emotionally and relationally miles and miles apart. Well today, how's about changing the trajectory of that departure and reuniting again in Jesus' name? Because that's what God wants for you. Do you need power, joy, peace, eternal life? You have to come close to the one who has it. Here's the logo that Grace Church has been using for the last few years. Last maybe two years or so and so forth. We have this one, we call it Connect with Jesus. And that's what we're all about. That's what the church is all about. That's the whole purpose, to connect people, to connect ourselves and to connect others with Jesus. And that remains true for our lives, for our outreach, for our relationships. It's in that connecting with Jesus that we actually become built up, that we actually grow, that we actually change. Because change is what God wants for us. I like one writer who said, at the end of the day, every Christian is to become a little Christ. The whole purpose of Christianity is nothing other than that. It's about being changed. And that change happens in the presence of Jesus. That good infection happens in the presence of Jesus. That life transformation happens in the presence of Jesus. You know, I have on my wristband here, I, I wear it all the time, we made these kind of wristbands, the Connect with Jesus wristbands, I think we gave them out some time back, maybe earlier on in 2020. We have these Connect with Jesus wristbands, we gave them out last year. You know, I use this Sometimes when I see it in my hand, it reminds me to stay connected. If you've got one, maybe you've stuck it in a drawer, maybe you've stuck it in, I don't know, in a shelf or down the back of the sofa or down behind the fridge or some such place, put it up. Put it on. And use it, not necessarily to be connecting with all other people, but as a reminder to you to stay connected to Jesus, to come back into his presence. Say, Lord, I want to rest 
in all that you have done. And that's the key, brothers and sisters. God has done everything. In Jesus Christ, everything has been done to put us at peace and in relationship with God. Everything has been done to bring us back to the Father, to stand in right relationship with Him, to have God's best plan for our lives work away. I want to come back to our friends, James and John. I want to look at Acts chapter 4, just as I finish, just a couple of verses that say an awful lot of what happened. Remember they had their story about how they had seen and heard this Jesus, how they saw his glory, heard the voice from heaven, touched him, were around him. In Acts chapter 4, these two men healed a cripple at the temple gates. And they're called to a comfort by the leaders, by the religious leaders. The religious leaders stand there before him. And here's interesting, they call these men in before them and they want them to give an account. But Peter and Peter and John, they give a seriously good account for themselves. And here's what the scripture records about them. It says the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They were amazed when they saw how bold they were. Why? Because it says this, for they could see that they were ordinary men. They were just ordinary men. There was nothing special about them. They didn't have any great charisma. They didn't have any great gifting. They were just ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. And yet they seemed to know all about God. They seemed to know all about God. And yet they were speaking from that point. And these guys were like, oh, oh, these guys have it. And it goes on to say this really importantly. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. That's what they were saying about James, about uh, Peter and John. They were men who had been with Jesus. And I use I underline this because it says they recognized as men who had been with Jesus. They were wrong. Peter and John were still with Jesus. They were still in relationship with Jesus. They still had the spirit of Jesus alongside them. This wasn't a historical event. This wasn't something in their past. It was something in their present. It was something in their now. But beware. Because not everybody that Jesus came into close contact with actually was infected or affected by him. Think about Pontius Pilate, who didn't act even though he knew the right thing to do. He spoke with Jesus, was in his presence. And it had no effect on him. Think about Herod. When Jesus went to see Herod, and Herod just mocked him. And Herod's soldier just mocked him. They were around Jesus, and yet it had no effect on him. They didn't listen to his words. They were immune. Brothers and sisters, may God forbid that any of us should ever become immune to the presence and the power of Jesus Christ. May God forbid that any of us would ever become immune. Look at many of the, some of the religious leaders did follow Jesus in the end, but the vast majority of them never followed him. Though they heard his words, they heard him preach, they were around him every day, they knew his miracles, yet they hardened their hearts and they were immune. May God forbid that any of us out here today would be immune. I would like to pray that we would be like James and John, not men who had been with Jesus, but who are people who are with Jesus. I've got just a couple of simple prayers I want to pray, and I'm going to pray a sentence or two for those who have never connected, who've never been in close contact with Jesus. I want to pray for those this morning. I want to pray for those before we close. I want to pray for those today who have more close contacts, but who have drifted away and no need to be restored and reconnected and need to get, as it were, that face-to-face time in the presence of God, listening to his word, building their trust in him 
again, and I also want to pray for those who have become separated from other believers, whether they are separate uh, as a result of an argument or a breakdown in communication or, or a lack of trust, especially with couples. I'm going to pray very briefly. Whether you fit into any of those categories, and maybe you don't, maybe you are living on the fuel of heaven, and I hope and praise God if you are, would you pray with us for the others who are on this list? Let's pray. I'm just going to take a few seconds to pray. Lord Jesus, for anybody who are this morning listening to this message, I pray, Lord Jesus, for any who have never connected with you, that today they would encounter you for the first time, that they would become a close contact of Jesus today for the first time. I pray today, Lord, that they would have the faith and would have the trust to cry out to you, to call out to you, to reach out to you. I pray today, Lord, that eternal life would be imparted from you to them in Jesus' mighty name. I pray for those, Lord, who have become drifted apart from you, Lord, whether it is because of, of, of mistrust or because, because they've been disappointed or because they've been defeated or because they've faced a disaster in their lives or maybe they've become just distracted. The distracted, the defeated, the disappointed. Lord, I pray for them today that they would take the decisions and the actions, make the choices that are needed to take the first step to become reconnected and to connect again with you, Lord Jesus Christ. I pray today that they would make the decisions before the sun sets to say, you know what, I'm going to give 1% of my time today and deliberately focus on the presence and the word of Jesus Christ. I pray today that people would reconnect and know the power of your spirit at work in their lives. Lord, I pray for those who are lacking joy, who are hung down today, Lord, who, whose heads are hung, hanging low, Lord, as a result of current circumstances. Lord, I pray that they would draw near the fountain of joy. Those who are distracted and upset and anxious, Lord, that they would draw near the fountain of peace, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord God, those who are, who are struggling to know where ends are going to meet, that they would draw near the fountain of provision and of protection in their lives. And Lord, I pray for any who are in the same household who have become separated, I speak, speak specifically to a man and woman, actually a couple of men and a couple of women who are in marriage relationships that have become difficult and have become separated. Lord, I pray for initiative on behalf of those couples, Lord. I pray that either man or wife, Lord, would take the initiative, Lord, to break down barriers today in Jesus' name. That they would know your power and work in them, Lord, to overcome their own disappointments and their own mistrust and their own defeats. Lord, I pray that your blessing would rest upon every single household in Jesus' mighty name. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. I want to leave you one last verse. This is what Jesus said about being in close contact with him. He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. They will produce much fruit. Do you want to bear fruit? I want to bear fruit. And I know the only way to do that is to remain in him. To remain in relationship with him. Not just spatial. It's not a spatial relationship, but a, but a relational relationship with Jesus Christ. I encourage you this week to come on. Make those decisions. Make those choices. Be willing to offer up that last, as it were, and offer up that last uh, 1% of the day in honour of what God is doing in your life and to reconnect. May God bless his word. May God bless us uh, as we continue on into our week. Uh, and I hope and I pray that today's word spoke to you. 
I hope and I pray that you will connect with the Lord afresh and anew this week. Meanwhile, back to the palace. Ellen Mary, we have a winner. Oh, look, we have a winner. Yes, we've got a winner. We've got, we've got our secret church. Can we come in here? Would you like to tell us there who our, our winner is? The winner of our 20 euro one for all voucher is? For the statue is Tina Beck. Tina Beck. Well done, Ooh. Tina. The answer was... The, the answer was A, Father Matthew. Was it Father Matthew, Father Fortnum, or Father Ted? The answer was Father Matthew. And Tina Beck, we will be sending onto you a 20 euro one for all voucher. Yeah. And I hope you spend it on yourself, Luke, because I think you're more likely to spend it on the kids or on Benjamin or something like that. Something way too decent on you. But congratulations, Tina, and well done to you. A little reminder for next week. Next week, we're going to do an online breaking of bread. As part of the church community, we were supposed to break bread at the start of this year. Tom had it all planned, in fairness to the man, he had it all planned. We were going to do it on the 3rd of January. It was all coming together, and then, whoop, up went the restrictions that we weren't able to do it. So what we're going to do, is we're going to break bread in our homes, as encourage us in Acts chapter 2. So next week, during our service, we're going to break bread, and what I'm encouraging you to do is just be ready for it. Everybody has bread in their house, and if you're a bread, you must have a cracker, even a good biscuit will do just fine. You know, you may not have grape juice. We can't break bread without red wine and grape juice. You can. I went to churches for years where we basically had black currant in my wine, and that was how we broke bread, because back in those days, there wasn't a lot of grape juice in Cork. So I'd encourage you, have the juice, cranberry juice, black currant, my body, whatever you're having yourself. The emblems specifically don't have to be right down to the last detail, but the heart does. We want to remember what Jesus has done for yes, us on this cross. The uh, emphasis is on remembrance. Absolutely. So we're going to be breaking bread next week, so stay tuned for that. So that's us for now. We'll send a little reminder that during the week that we're going to be breaking bread. BTW. May God bless you and keep you. May God cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, may God's people say.